Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Genesis chapter 21 this evening. We're continuing our study of redemption. You know, the Lord can drop one thought in your mind and it can just expand. You say, why are we teaching on these subjects like redemption when there's so much going on in the world that you could be teaching on prophecy or something like that? Well, because an understanding of redemption is going to give you a foundation to help you understand everything that's going on in this day and hour in which you're living. Amen. Amen. Even some of what we're studying tonight will help you understand why things are the way they are. And, you know, in understanding that, you see this divine plan that God had to redeem man. And it's amazing how, you know, since that redemptive process is taking place, how, how the enemy has fought to not only keep the message, the message of the gospel, but the, the, the demonstration of the gospel. That's, that's the key. How can you say that? That's the key element that sets us apart from every other religion on the earth. You say, what is that? That is the demonstration of God. You know, you can talk about Muhammad, you can talk about Buddha, but, 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 you know, us that have been around this for a while, we've seen such mighty things that God has done. And even though, you know, we've probably lived in a, in a post-revival period for about 15 years, in which I really believe the, the apostasy of the end, end times have happened, where we're, we're thousands and thousands, statistics show us that, that literally uh, there's only about 31% of the 100% that they had in 1980, 80, only about 31% of those people still attend church today. I mean, America has become one of the most unchurched nations in the world. And that's because religion is a bitter pill to swallow. But, you know, in the midst of that, down throughout the history of the nation and the history of the world, there's been, the, been these, these stirrings of God that have happened. You know, thank God we, we were in ministry for many years during the, the charismatic renewal. Right at the end of that, where the, where the power of God and the ability of God was just an amazing manifestation. But that's just kind of like, you know, the, the, the difference between what, what, what happened in John chapter 5. John chapter 5, an angel came down, stirred a pool. Whosoever first got into that pool was healed. But then Jesus walked by and a guy that had been there for 38 years trying to get that to work for him and it hadn't worked for him. Jesus looked at him and said, would you be made whole? That ushered in a word move where people begin to realize, hey man, I can be healed by the word of God. I can prosper by the word of God. I can get set free by the word of God. That there's power in the word. Amen. Amen. Now we're, we're preparing. God's got us in a preparation stage, preparing us. Some of the conferences we've been in this year, uh, some of the meetings we've been in the nations of the world have been amazing how the, how the glory of God and the power of God has just shown up to, to manifest awesome, awesome things. So there's a great time of preparation that is taking place in our hearts. The Lord shared something with me today, and, and it kind of goes on with the teaching that we're teaching on redemption. He said, you're following one of two things in the earth today. You're either following the noise or you're following a signal. You're either following the noise. Now, what is the noise? Everything that's going on. You name it, politically, medically, uh, socially, you name all the noise, all the rhetoric, all the everything. They're just talking, all of this going on. You're either following that and that's, and that's grasping or gathering your attention or you're following a signal. You say, what do you mean by a signal? Well, maybe that's not a good word. Maybe it's an unction. Maybe it's a stirring. 
Maybe it's a move, something on the inside of you, something in your life that's going on. And you're thinking, man, something's changing. Something's going on. Well, that's God. He's wooing you. He's bringing you to a place in which he can prepare you not only to withstand the onslaught of that, which is not only coming upon the earth, but that which is upon the earth right now. I said, man, for two days they've been screaming, well, we can have a nuclear war at any minute, at any minute. Well, listen, you can't listen to that stuff and stay sane. You'll lose your sobriety. So one of, the, one of the reasons we teach on redemption is that's the foundational, basic bedrock. Hey, religion can't mess it up. Tradition can't mess it up. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what you do. This, this is the proclamation and demonstration of God right there in front of us to see and enjoy. Amen. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. And it can't be stolen from you. Now, government can't steal. Nothing can steal it from you if you're willing to follow that unction or that signal instead of the noise of what's going on in this day and age. Now, we've come to a place here in the study of Abraham. This is an amazing process that God brought this man through. And it's amazing that an unregenerate man could go through it. But that shows us, you say, what do you mean by an unregenerate man? A man not born again or not saved. You say, well, why would you say that, Pastor? Because salvation was not available until Jesus rose from the dead. But But the message of what it would be, the message... Of what it would be. Now, this, this needs an imprint upon your spirit. You say, why? Because a lot of times we struggle and we think, well, it's so hard and I'm struggling to believe God. Listen, you need to get rid of that. Because Abraham got it on credit and saw what would come and persevered in faith for 25 years till Isaac was born. Now, we got what he was believing God for. We have what he saw in type and shadow. We have it in full measure. Amen. The Bible says that those, those ancients, those, the, the, those ones back in those days, and the angels themselves desired to look into those things, but it was not for their time. Wow. But it's for our time. So at this point, Isaac is born in, in, in Genesis chapter 21. Let's pick it up and start reading there in verse 1. It said, And the Lord visited Sarah as he, had, as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Boy, I bet you that blew everybody's mind. Amen. I mean, that that blew everybody. It's amazing when you're believing God for something that nobody thinks you're going to get. Lee and I experienced that one time, uh, uh, believing God for Breland. And we, uh, Leah got pregnant the first time, and then we had a setback, and then the second time. But you could tell there were people that were like, oh, man. I even heard somebody even got back and said, them old people believe in God for a child. They're just out of their mind. Well, you know, the proof of the pudding's in the eating, amen? We got her. Glory to God. Amen. The Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. So how'd you get her? By the Word of God. Amen. Nothing's impossible with God. Then Abraham brought him into the covenant through circumcision. Verse, uh, let's see, go to verse 9. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given uh, children suck for I have... For I have borne him a son in his old age. 
The child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast in the same day that Isaac was weaned. Now notice this. And Sarah saw that the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which had been born unto Abraham, mocked, uh, uh, which had been born unto Abraham, mocking. I wrote this in my notes. The problem mocking the promise. Now everybody say Ishmael. Ishmael. Now you understand something about the Ishmaels of our lives. <laughs> you say, what is that? That which is produced in your own zeal, but outside of the will of God. That sometimes, that sometimes you have to live with your whole life. That bears a, a striking resemblance to you. Amen. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Listen, number one, God gave promise unto Abraham. Now, I don't want to get in depth in teaching what happened to Ishmael, but in reality, this is what happened. When God speaks and God says something, listen, it's truth. That's how it's labeled. It's not facts. You say, what do you mean by that? Facts are always subject to change. It's 100 degrees in July. It may be 40 degrees in December. That's just the facts. That's the way it is. The weather will change every day from between now and then. Truth is unchangeable. Truth is forever settled in heaven. And listen, when God says something, as we've said for years, if God walked in here and said it is now December 15th, 2029, the entire universe would revert to that particular date and that particular time. You say, why? Because God cannot lie. It's not that God is a being that has this choice whether to tell the truth or lie. That's not God. What God says, what he speaks is truth, which means there is a proclamation and a demonstration of that. When he said, let there be light, there was light. When he said, let the, let the waters be gathered together unto the earth, he was putting the boundaries. Listen, wow, I, always, always, I love, to, I love to, uh, to, to talk about this because I listened way back in the, in the late 80s and early 90s when I was doing so much driving through all these country roads and listening to all these radio programs about, you know, by the year 2000, you know, half the world's going to be underwater and all this stuff's going to happen, all this kind of place. But you know, in the Word of God, it says about the oceans that God has set the boundaries of the oceans and nothing shall surpass them. And I notice we're 22 years from the date in which those guys said that there would be a beach in Dallas. And the only thing I ever heard anybody say on, the, on, the, on one of those crazy radio programs that made any sense was this. He said, you know, I had a glass full of iced tea, full of ice, and when all the ice melted, the, the glass didn't run over. He said, I just couldn't figure that out. <laughs> Amen. I think God knows what he's doing. I think his word's more than enough to keep the universe in place. Amen. But now here's, here's, here's Abraham and he's in covenant with God and he and Sarah have borne the child of the promise, but they also got the child of the problem because the child of the problem has been given the same covenant rights as the child of the promise. You say, why? Because God said it. And he said, your seed, Abraham. He said, your seed, Abraham. He said, your seed, Abraham. So every geopolitical struggle you've seen from that time until this in the Middle East is a result of this incident that took place right there. And the dividing of two half-brothers into two places in that Middle Eastern area in which two developed into two major nations and major religions. Amen. You say, why? Because God cannot lie. When he speaks something, it is the truth. Now, how's my time? 
Go to, go to chapter 22. There, there, there's, there's a lot in this chapter you can study, the different things that he did. There's a real good lesson on sacrifice, on there has to be an element of sacrifice in your altars. You say, what do you mean? When you're really seeking God, there should be some sacrifice in your life. Sacrificing of time. Sacrificing of your, of your talents and abilities. Now, chapter 22, of all the chapters of the Bible, there are several chapters that I would, I would categorize. Uh, you know, Paul said there are weightier matters in the Gospels. Amen? Now, in this chapter, the entire redemptive process hangs upon the obedience of one man. And upon him understanding, actually, let's say it like this. This depends upon him following the signal and not the noise of the moment. Yeah. Are you with me? You say, why? Because there was a lot of noise in the moment. Now, after all the stuff that had happened with Abram and Abraham and, and the stars of the sky and the dust of the earth and, and the covenant and everything that had taken place, Abraham ended up with his dream. His dream was Isaac, which, is, which was his son, the son of the promise, the son that God had given him. Most Bible theologians will tell us that chapter 22 is probably or approximately 14 to 17 years from chapter 21, in which Isaac is now a young man, and God speaks to Abraham. Now notice what happens here. It says, it came to pass after, the, after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Now, that's really not a good word. The, a better word there, and actually the true Hebrew word is not the word tempt, it's the word prove. Amen? Have you ever gone out and, and, and looked at a car, maybe a new car, a used car you're going to buy, and you thought, well, man, I want to go test drive it. Well, what you're doing is you're proving it. You're going to find out where the strengths and weaknesses are, whether it's got what you want, what you like, whether it does not have what you want or what you do not like. And you got to understand, if you're a person that desires to walk in the faith that God provides through His Word, God's going to prove you. You say, what do you mean? He's not going to let you store up some big reservoir of faith on the inside of you and not activate it, walk in it, be obedient to it. Faith demands obedience. If you build faith into your heart, faith, that faith will demand your obedience to it. Amen. Now, notice this. He did tempt or prove Abraham, and he said unto him, Abraham, and he said, or Abraham said, Behold, here I am. A response. Everybody say response. Now, notice. He said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I shall tell thee of. Now here's your response to that scripture. Say what? What did you just say? To take Isaac, who you gave me, as an absolute, outright miracle, amen, as close as you could get to immaculate conception, I guess, but it wasn't immaculate, it was natural, because it said Sarah conceived, Abraham's seed, amen. Now you want me to take this, this young man of the promise and do something totally against the law of God, murder him, and then take his body and burn it with fire. 
kind of depends on how close you're walking to God. Amen. You say, now what do you mean by that? Abraham at this point, because it took him 25 years to believe God for Isaac. You say, why 25 years? It took him 25 years to be fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. That's what it says in Romans chapter 4. And when when he was fully persuaded, guess what happened? God performed. God always performs when you're fully persuaded. Some of you believe in God for things right now. And you think, well, I haven't seen it yet. How come I haven't seen it yet? You're not fully persuaded yet. That's why you got to keep studying the Word. You got to keep coming to church. You got kind of that's the process that you're in. See, here's what religion religion says: get on your knees and pray that God will change everything. Well, redemption says get in the Word and see that God's already done it. Now He's wanting to change you. Now He's wanting to change you, so you can take that authority and you can change things. See, religion always puts it off onto God. Redemption puts it off onto you. Amen. So what, 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 are you, what, what, what are you telling me to do? Now, you've got to understand, you've got to walk close enough to God to recognize when God says something to you like that, there's something hidden in that. Because it says in the Word of God that when God spoke that to Abraham, he had already received back in a type Isaac as being raised from the dead. That means he knew the promise of God that got, Abraham, that got Isaac to him that took 25 years was so sure because God said, in that seed shall all of the earth be blessed. That seed goes away. There's no promise. So he knew there was something else going on here and that he had to make a three-day and three-night journey in order to figure out what it was. Amen. He said, get thee to the land of Moriah and offer him up on a mountain. Now, you can do your historical studies and you'll see how smart God is and that everything that has happened on that mount is something that was in covenant with God. That's why that mount is the most disputed piece of ground on the earth today. They don't see you don't they don't they don't show you here in America the, the news. Go watch Al Jazeera, some of these others. Every day there's a riot up on that mount. Every day Israeli defense forces and Jordanian defense forces are fighting, trying to keep the peace on the mount. The mount. The mount. You say, what mount is that? That's the mount, the Moriah. That's that's Galgotha. That's where the temple. That, listen, that's that's the place in which Jesus will come back and set his feet upon the earth and speak, and that mountain will be removed, and that eastern gate will open. Oh, come on, church. We don't want to, we're, we're way back here in Abraham. We're talking about that. So you've got to be close enough to God to where God speaks something to you that you know there's already a provision that has been left for you, so that in that obedience you don't violate any laws of God. If he didn't have that confidence, he couldn't do that. He was in covenant with a loving God. He was in covenant with a loving God. Now notice this. It said, Abraham, verse 3, Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and claved the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went to the place which God had told him. Everybody say the place which God had told him. Now, this is, this is an unusual, how can you say this? This is an unusual reality in the study of redemption in realizing place that God has told him is referring to how God directs our lives. You say what? There are specific places where God calls you. 
specific people that God calls you to. The enemy delights in breaking that up because that breaks up the true unity of what God desires to do. Amen? The place where I told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up, up his voice, saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide here uh, with the ass, and the lad, and I and the lad will go yonder. Now notice, and worship and come again to you. Now we're teaching on redemption. He's in the redemptive act as much as Jesus was in the redemptive act when he was going to the cross. Abraham is looking at Moriah, Mount Moriah, listening to the voice of God saying, take Isaac and kill him and burn him. Amen? He knows there's an element of sacrifice to what he's doing. So as he stands, listen, as he stands at the bottom of that mountain, he tells those boys down there, wait here. Wait here. Now here was his opportunity for what I like to call public panic. Woe is me, the heavy burden that I bear. You don't know what the Lord has told me to. Well, you know, I found somewhere in the Bible where Jesus said, my burden's easy, my yoke is light. See, we look at this as some hard thing that, uh, that Abraham struggled with. He did not struggle with this. When God spoke to him, he had had close to four decades of serving God. He realized this is the voice of the one that spoke to me way back there in chapter 12 who said, get out of this land and come to a place which I'm going to give you for an inheritance and all the earth will be blessed by your seed. That voice had resonated in him for all that time and he knew that voice. And he knew that voice was not speaking to his destruction but for his blessing and down at the bottom of that hill, he didn't say, well, man, you guys need to pray for me because I really got an assignment. I don't know if I can obey. No, he didn't say that. He said, I and the lad are going to go yonder and we're going to worship. Amen. Amen. That's what you've got to understand, church, is your greatest acts of obedience are your greatest acts of worship. A lot of people don't realize that. But man, when you say yes to God, when you say yes to God, I got a beautiful video right before, right before church. It really blessed me. But it was of a friend of mine, and he's, he's preaching in front of a large group of people, which is really cool. And he's talking about a story uh, years ago where he was walking on a certain place and, and he was telling God, uh, uh, he, he had just gone into ministry, just uh, showed up in the station. He's telling God, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. And now 42 years later, they got all this ministry and all this blessing. And, and he's going to be back in that same place in a couple of days. He says, I'm going to walk at the same beach. I'm going to say, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Here, see, when you, when you develop an ear for that voice, when it speaks something in your ear that even sounds abstract, you know there's a hidden mystery in that that's going to bring forth a blessing. So your obedience is not seen as some great burden and some great sacrifice. It's seen as worship. I and the lad will go yonder and what? And worship and come to you again. Wow. Isn't that cool? <laughs> Now notice this. It said, and Abraham took the wood, that's in uh, verse 7, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering 
and laid it upon Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. That's everything they needed. See, they, they, they'd done this many times, but they never used a person. They always used a lamb, denoting redemption, denoting Jesus. Even looking, even looking down the road and seeing the law coming, which they would slaughter millions of lambs. And then the last spotless lamb, Jesus, that would be sacrificed, the seed of Abraham. Amen. So, 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 so Isaac is used to that. So Abraham took the wood, the burnt offering, and put it on Isaac. Isaac's carrying it. Isaac's older, probably, I mean, younger, probably stronger. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto, unto Abraham, his father. And he said, my father, and he said, here am I, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Now, you've got, this is something you've got to understand, church. When you get out in faith and you start doing things, there are questions that will be asked you that you've got to be real careful how you answer. Because yeah. how you answer those questions are going to determine or not whether you move forward or move back. Let's just say it like this. How Abraham moved up that mountain was determined by how he was fixing to, ask, how he was fixing to answer this question. So he could have been you know, going up there and he's, he's looking at Isaac and he's thinking, man, there's Isaac. The child of my old age. The child of the promise. Wow. He could have said, Isaac, come here. I really need to talk to you about something right now. <laughs> and Isaac says, well, Dad, you know, you got the wood and you got the fire, you got the knife. You know, did you forget something? And he said, no, I didn't. Uh, you are the something. Now, you have to read between the lines because if it would have been me, I would have took off like a shot. But obviously, Abraham and Isaac had walked together as father and son. And because of the connection of Isaac to his father and his father's God, who we'll see here in the next couple of weeks, how God begins to work in Isaac's life and then Isaac's family's life and how God works in our lives like that, you begin to understand and realize he's the same as his dad. And the atmosphere of worship is there. So out comes a prophetic word. God will provide himself a lamb. Woo! Cool. Because it wasn't looking good for me here. <laughs> Amen? God will provide himself a lamb. Now notice this. And it says it came to the place where God had told him told him of. And Abraham built an altar there, laid the wood in order, bound Isaac his son, laid him on the wood, and Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife. Now, do you see this? There's a 12-stone altar. Do you understand that? There's wood piled upon it. Isaac is laying on it, tied with rope. Abraham is standing there with fire in one hand and a knife in another. And what's he do? He raises the knife. He's going through with it. He's going through with it. Why? Because he had already received Isaac back in a type as if raised from the dead. Amen? He knew the provision of God was there. Now notice this. 
And Abraham stretched forth his hand, took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of, of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. Thank God. You say what? God needed a man on the earth willing to do what? To do what he was going to do. A covenant man offered his son. A covenant God gave his son. One offered, one gave. Now, in the terms of covenant, you say, what do you mean by that? The Bible says that God does all things after the counsel of his own will, that his own will sets the terms of justice, not religion, not tradition, not denominations, God does. You say, what do you mean by that? That means the counsel of God and the wisdom of God is what God has spoken forth to control, to be the perimeters perimeters and the boundaries of what God does and does not do. I believe God can do anything. He cannot. He says, he cannot? No, he can't make you tithe. Amen? God can't make you do anything. You either do it willingly or you do not do it. And this showed forth the willingness of a man to come to the very brink of the sacrifice of his son in a covenant with God which released God to give a son that would one day die upon the cross and bear the sins of you and I so that we could be born again. And so when reverting back to faith, God says we are of the faith of what? Abraham. Now notice, let's close with, ooh, my time's almost up. Here we go. The angel of the Lord called unto him and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here am I. He said, lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold him, a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and stood Abraham went and stood and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering upon the, in the steed of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. Everybody say Jehovah-Jireh. And it, as it is said in this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Now, what happened? Well, both in the natural and now some 4,000 years later in the spirit, God provided a lamb. Now, the redemptive reality of the ability of our God, the Bible describes God in different, different characteristics, not describing His character, but His person of who He is. God is light. That doesn't mean God turns on the light. No, God is light. Jesus said it like this in the Gospels. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So religion takes that and says, Jesus will tell us the way, he'll show us the truth, and he'll give us the light. That's not what he said. I said that's not what he said. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the light. So you can't follow religion, you got to follow Jesus. Amen? 
And so when you begin to realize that, you begin to realize these attributes of God. God is love. You say, what do you mean? The, 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 the human reality of personal choice has to be voided in your mind when you think of God. It's not like God looks down at Laura and, and, and then looks down at Leah or looks down at Chris and says, well, Chris, you know, he's all right, but, you know, I really love Leah, but, but, but now, 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 Laura, I really like, I really love, no, no, God doesn't do that. There's no capacity in God to, to, to deal out more or less love to anybody. Do you understand that? He loves us all with this huge capacity of love, which we have to experience. It's beyond, it's beyond description is what the Bible says. I, I, I like, what was, a, what was the song we were talking about that Elvis, Elvis's song with life? He says, uh, there's a, one of the verses of the song, it says, uh, love became an ancient soul. That's pretty cool. Love became an love, light, life, truth. Amen. And all of this is comp- is. is Packaged in this pack, God, God the Father, God the Word, God the Spirit abiding in us. And, and the Word of God says, God is what? Light. Light and life. Light and life flow together. So we know that light, light, light does what? Light flows at 186,000 miles per second across the universe at an unending pace, unending force. So those that dabble in the theories, of physics in that area tell us that if you could supersede that particular speed, 186,000 miles per second, you could manipulate time. And the Bible says of what? God is light. So one of the guys I read after, Roy Hicks, powerful man of God, one of the pioneers of the four-square denomination, he, he, he has a message called God is light. And he says, it's, it's as if God stands on the hub of a wheel. And the wheel is spinning and turning. And the wheel is spokes. And every one of those spokes is a measure of time. See, God does not stand in time. He's not in time. He's timeless. But in those spokes, he has access to them. And not only say, well, well he, maybe he can fix up something in my future, but I got some junk in my past. He, he, can, he, can, he can deal with your past. You say, why? Because God is in a place of timelessness, but He is light, and He is life, and He is moving at that place. Now listen, and He has put in you what? His Spirit, which is the Holy Ghost, which is the element of Him that raised Christ from the dead. So in you is a component of God that's moving at the speed of light. You say, well, what does that mean? That means that one day God will snap His fingers, and now listen, there'll be the voice... The voice of an archangel and the trump of God. How do we get off on this? Oh, that's how. Thank you, Lord. Well, if it's me, I can't figure it out. If it's God, he'll always show me. Trump of God. Where's that? Thessalonians. The voice of an archangel will be what? Changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. So here's the dilemma. When that trump sounds, when that voice cries out, will you hear it? Will will you hear it? You say, what do you mean by it? If you hear it, you're gone. If you stand around, don't you hear that? (laughs) 
That person you may be asking that of might not be there. Amen. But also realize in your life as you pray. God's, listen, as you pray, as you give, as you obey God, God's already working in 2023, 2024, 20. Look what he did for Abraham. Look how he brought that covenant that he cut with Abraham. Into, he was already working. In Genesis chapter 12, he was already working in Genesis chapter 22. You see, now, now, now how can you say it? Now, here's, here, let's close with this. Here's this ram. Now, the, the, the Bible is not plain in any way on what this lamb is, uh, what this ram is, whether it's marred, scarred, nothing. But we know because of the law that God gave Moses that came from the promise that God gave Abraham, it was a spotless ram of the age of a year, which meant a year before this incident, or let's say it like this, a year before this act of obedience, a male sheep, wild sheep, was born in the wilderness out there in the Middle East. It's subject to everything that could happen to a, a young ram. Drought, famine, predators, amen? But remember, a few chapters before, Abraham drove off a bunch of birds. <laughs> Some of you missed a good opportunity to shout and run around the church. You say, what do you mean? In the covenant that God cut with Abraham, a bunch of birds came, how many remember, and tried to eat the sacrifice. And Abraham stayed up all night and drove the birds off. Now here's this ram bought. Here's this ram born. And you got this God standing on this hub looking down these, down these spokes. And he sees his man a year later obeying God and needing a ram caught in the thicket. Now let me ask you a question. You think God's going to protect that ram? You think in the middle of a drought he'll make sure that ram finds water? You think in the middle of predators everywhere he'll make sure that ram's hidden? You think in the midst of famine that, lamb, that ram will find? No matter what was going on, God's provision, God's hand. And let's just tie it to Sunday morning, God's grace kept that ram alive and kept that ram moving. And as Abraham come up one side of that mountain, here come that ram. And as he moved a little closer, here came that ram. And as Abraham raised that knife, that ram got his head caught in the thicket. The rest is history. And for all of our lives, for everything that is going on, God's got rams headed for thickets. For you and I, in our obedience to this redemptive message because you say, well, why are we just teaching on this? No, because this is the message that will help you turn into, tune into the signal and help you get rid of the noise because then you'll be what? Focused on Jesus and God's ability in all of this to keep that seed of life and light and love alive. You think he's going to fail us now? I said, you think he's going to fail us now? He's not going to fail us now. Amen. You love the Lord? Amen. Praise God. Well, stand on your feet if you will. Praise God. Good to have Frank back and Joanne, Allen, and Pat had a wonderful, wonderful uh, trip to Nicaragua. Glory to God. Let, let's thank God for the people in Nicaragua. Amen. Yeah. Let's just pray for them for a moment. Father, we just thank you. Lord, we've worked for so many years, for decades in that nation. Father, we went in there when nobody else would go. And Father, we thank you that seeds of righteousness which have been sown for years are coming up right now. 
And God, you're blessing that nation with a harvest of righteousness. We pray for our brothers and sisters in all the churches down there in which Alan and Pat and the Cooks and all of them minister. We pray for the church up in Nicaragua. We pray for new churches that will be starting and forming, for Bible schools, for everything else that God has down there for that nation. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for moving in Nicaragua, Lord. We ask it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Bless the people. Bless the people. Lord, we saw, we've seen you do so much. Do so much with so little. You've done so much with so little. Now multiply their seeds sown. Multiply their seeds sown. Send laborers, Lord. Raise up laborers from among them. Jesus' name we ask. Jesus' name we pray. Fathers, we leave tonight. Thank you for the covenant we have in Christ. Thank you that all the promises of God are in Him, yea. In Him, amen, to the glory of God by us. Lord, we thank you as we depart tonight. Covenant of protection belongs to us. No evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh us. Angels have charge over us. Father, we thank you as we leave tonight in our travel the righteous labor of our hands, and all we put our hand to, we have faith in your ability to protect us. Thank you, Father, also, stirring inside of us that great spirit of the ages, that spirit of life, light, and love abides and grows. We thank you, Father, that this week will be a blessing to people, a problem to, a, to the devil, a miracle in someone's life. Lord, as we leave today, we walk in faith and love towards you. Lord, we leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Lord, we thank you for our church. We walk in love one toward another. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.